Yeah, I just start with a little music just to get the vibe going. Very from our groovy. Walk. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> Very groovy. <laughs> I am so excited for this episode. Between our conversations and reading the articles that you've, that you've written, I'm swimming in wealth of brilliance. Um, one quote, one, one spe section specifically just caught my attention. You said, the joy of the work comes from breaking the boundaries of traditional processes. Oh my goodness, we're, you and I today are going to break a lot of boundaries. I got a feeling we're, we're going to uh, challenge the status quo. We're going to take on a very, very debated topic. I have to say, this is in, in this emerging market that we're discussing. And you all innovators probably know where I'm going to go with this, which is which sea level is going to participate. Now, I often get the cheap answers. Everyone is involved. Sure. Yes, everyone is involved. I'm not saying it's cheap. But yeah, it makes sense. But someone has got to be accountable for this, the adoption of marketing mindset and the employee experience. Now, I get the case for CHRO. Get it? We've had episodes. I agree. CHRO could become the internal CMO. I also have CMOs. You all listening? You're probably like, no, Adam, go in our direction. Yep, going in your direction right now. Just got off the phone call of another CMO that is a growth bank. Can't wait to have them on air talking about, hey, we're going to help unify the brand. But today we're going to introduce another theory. I'm not telling you what it is. You got to listen to the end or, or until we get into it. So we got to begin by discussing your background, the intersection of customer experience and employee experience. Oh my goodness, you are, you are literally in that intersection. Please share with the audience, how would you describe kind of the, the convergence in your life of being in this, in this intersection that I'm so jazzed about? Yeah, um, <laughs> it was absolutely accidental. Um, that much is for sure. Um, you know, my career arc in general, I think, is very uh, non-traditional. Um, I started actually in art history, um, where I worked in some galleries and museums and did an internship at uh, the Israeli branch of Sotheby's for a while. I went into public relations after that, um, where I did a lot of cause-related marketing and kind of fell into um, business analysis, you know, in terms of learning how to write requirements for systems and uh, products. Uh, accidentally, I was temping at banks so that I could save money to travel, um, but actually found that I was pretty good at it. Um, and what I really enjoyed more than anything was not just determining how a product was going to work and what the business wanted it to be at the end, but really talking to users and understanding how they think about these different tools and products and what are the goals they're trying to achieve and how can these different tools that they're given help them uh, really optimize that work. So bringing that forward um, into my roles at um, Citibank and, um, and uh, all the various roles I had there, that thread really always remained. So just really trying to understand what is the decision-making process? What are the goals that we're trying to achieve? And then how do the tools actually help us get there? What I find fascinating is more often than not, we tend to start with that last part first, right? Here are the tools that we have. How do we you know, get the, the, the teams to operate in such a way to optimize the tools that we have? And it's backwards, right? And then we sort of wonder why we're constantly bolting on or things aren't working. Um, the full role of customer experience uh, really started at Citibank and it was such an interesting uh, opportunity when we were 
introducing some new digital tools and sort of had the opportunity to say, all right, well, we're doing all of this work digitally, but you know what? Customers are calling and complaining because they went into a branch and found out that the questions that they, the data that they were looking for online, wasn't available um, with any of the branch staff. So we realized, okay, this is what we're calling at, at the time, we called it omni-channel um, customer experience. And that's where we started to realize experiences now happen in multiple places, in multiple ways, and is absorbed differently. And so as we started to build that out, lots of learning on, you know, just core behavioral science aspects, you know, how people uh, react to different notifications, what are the different triggers and motivators uh, that bring somebody in. Uh, and it was a great opportunity to then bring all of that learning into my next role as a global head of customer experience um, in a whole other industry in animal science. Um, where we work with veterinarians, producers, um, and really got to the heart of introducing a true customer experience, not just from a B2C perspective, but B2B and ultimately B2B2C, because we were developing a lot of products that ultimately would then be sold to pet owners, um, especially, you know, uh, dog and cat uh, owners. Um and it, it's fascinating. It's, it's just fascinating when you sort of take all of these learnings, you apply them to all of these different groups. And as we started developing our customer experience platforms, we started to realize, you know what, our challenge is really with our sales teams, with our reps, because we're developing all of these initiatives and programs. And we just kept hearing, we can't absorb anymore. We can't absorb anymore. And what we started doing was a bunch of ride-alongs. We started actually developing what, um, what we call day-in-the-life plans. And we rode with different levels of um, sales reps all across the country, all across the different species areas to sort of understand, all right, so this is what we want for the customer, but what's happening to you? What are you actually experiencing? And as we started to build that out, we started to recognize, hey, you know what? We we're asking you to put in all this customer information immediately after the visit. You've got a two hour drive through the Nebraska wildlands until you're able to get to your next customer and you've got time to make that's a you know an unfair uh, ask. So as we laid all of this out and we started to recognize, all right, customer experience and employee experience really are just the evolution of experience. We cannot deliver the right employee experience until we've uh, understood the employee experience more. And that was, I think, one of the biggest uh, learnings, one of the most fascinating um, parts of the work that we did uh, there. And now being able to lead an employee experience function, one that's really dedicated to the um, employee side, equally as interesting um, to take all of the tools and the functions and sort of systems that we had put into place for customer. There's some lift and shift to employee. There is some, you know, we do journeys and we do research and listening and VOE and all these other things. Um, but the internal mindset is different. And I think for me, understanding that human dynamics work in similar ways, but the motivations are different. The drivers are different. The influences are different. Um, because now with employee, you're really working on all the elements of wellness, right? If you think about the Gallup five elements of wellness, which is, you know, financial, social, family, um, health, and uh, community, it's all of them. And so we have to understand how every decision that's being made actually impact that overall wellness. So it's just been such a fabulous arc of learning uh, for me personally. Right, you, you all listening? Like, this is what I'm talking about. 
this idea of a customer experience mindset you said the lift and shift a lot of similarities obviously there's some different there's there are significant differences but once you have been in that world and you come into this world and you see what's possible you can't unsee it it's almost it's almost like how are we not and there are many reasons why we are here and i'm not gonna go down this path but would we say you know customer experience at some point started from scratch I don't know how many years, I don't know how we would define the market. I don't think we need to because it's probably, you know, fluid, but we're probably somewhere in that zone now, even though we're talking about employee experience and uh, it is an important topic, but based on what is available, based on this as an, you know, an emerging industry, an emerging market, an, an emerging function, do you think we're starting from scratch? Are we, are we maybe a little beyond the scratch what's your view of this the, the entire landscape from the employee experience perspective or yeah yeah exactly um i would say yes and no because at the end of the day most companies know generally about their employees most companies understand the need to set culture most companies understand how to um, encourage their employees, hopefully always in a positive way, um, but not always, um, how to motivate their employees and uh, sort of keep their motivation and, and productivity high. I think what is missing and what is nascent is the idea of how do you uh, operationalize it and how do you systematize it? And so this idea of voice of employee, employee research, it tends to get blown off as like, well, we know what they need. You know, we know what gets them motivated. Things are different now, um, you know, and especially in an industry where we tend to have older workers um, with a whole Gen Z that's starting to come up. They think differently. They act differently. Their expectations are different. They're much more oriented to what they see on social media. Um, they learn differently. Even onboarding has to change. Um, and so we have a lot of assumptions. And in order to do the most prioritized work, I would say, the most impactful work, uh, we need to figure out how to systematize and organize the data so that we're doing the right thing in the right ways to the right segments. Love it. Love it. And uh, in my notes, I remember you and I talking about the similarities and ultimately it's all about the human elevating the conversation. Like you, you started by describing the user experience and, and the user experience could be a customer or, or an employee. So I think our goal is to elevate this conversation to that level. Let's do it. So let's talk about the C-level. You decide. Do we talk about which ones it's not? So we can do the usual suspects. We can talk about the CMO, CHRO, or straight into what your point of view is a role that it should be. You pick. <laughs> well, honestly, it's... Every company runs a little bit differently. Um, different CEOs have built different kinds of leadership groups. So my opinion is purely based on the experience that I have. Um, so I can only talk about what I think is best. Um, let's do. Let's do it. Let's do it. Make a case. You know, the biggest challenge that any experienced manager leader has is that at the end of the day, we don't own much, right? We don't own the opportunity to change the way we run sales operations uh, or sales incentives. We don't own 
the ability to actually purchase new digital uh, tools to enable, let's say, um, some of our you know field force. Uh, some do, but the overall decisions are usually run by either, you know, CFOs, chief technology officers. Um, and the most that experienced leaders can do is to demonstrate the reasons why, to demonstrate the strategy, the data behind it, and ultimately what is the true uh, business um, uh, gain with, uh, with the change. But we don't own it. And so the challenge that I've seen in, in my experience sitting at a lot of these tables is that thread and connection between each of the executives who have their own budgets, their own resources, their own problems that they're trying to solve. And so how do you bring that sort of connective tissue in order to really thread um, the need across? I do believe that a chief experience officer is um, somebody that can dedicate to that work. There is, um, and whether it's called an experience officer or a transformation officer, somebody needs to basically own that understanding of the world has to come together around some core principles, right? Do we all agree as an executive team that we want to grow our customer base? Do we all agree that we want to you know, expand our uh, revenue center or even just uh, enhance some of our operational capabilities and actually try and you know, optimize efficiencies in different ways? By understanding the experiences and how they actually drive each of those outcomes and understanding, okay, so you know, as a chief sales officer or chief revenue officer, these are the things that you think about and worry about. This is how you're motivating your employees. Here's what we know, here's what we've seen, and here's how we believe we can recommend um, opportunities. Same thing with a, a CTO. If there's high turnover, what's actually happening? Are we you know, truly just losing to you know, the top five um, uh, tech companies because of the cool factor? Is it, pure, is it that we don't have the right set of um, products, tools, learnings, uh, skill development capabilities? Right, it's by understanding what are the dynamics, not only at the top level of the organization, but even within each of the silos, it really is about the plug and play. And to sort of expect sort of the individual leaders to come to that on their own, I think is very, very difficult. I think um, most business leaders are truly just worried about their own groups. That's why they are the leaders and that's what they need to dedicate to. But to have that role that is empowered, and I think that's a really important point, is empowered to bring that agreement to the executive table, and then to actually help manage those changes through, understanding, of course, that we're working in partnership, right, and nobody's, you know, sort of taking it in force and pushing it through. Um, that's where uh, I believe the success really can lie. And for the audience, let's clarify the scope of the chief experience officer. We're t you're talking about the experience on the customer side, on the employee side, or both? So I think it needs to be all. There we go. Yeah. So this is the experience that's holistic because there's just so much interdependence, right? From a customer to employee and employee back to the customer, unless they're unified, there isn't someone that has the responsibility. Now, this comes with a series of challenges, 
tons of challenges. But before we, like, we're, we're going to discuss them. But you said keyword empowered. The way I think about empowered, you, you may say it differently, people process technology, right? And, and you and I have talked about this. I, I think the emerging market of adoption of marketing mindset and employee experience, this, this is the next thing. This is what's coming now. And potentially we're saying chief experience officer would be firmly planted in it although it's not the only thing it would do, but it would be looking at the entire journey. So empowered is usually resources. I've spoken to chief people officers, they, a number of them, when they, we, we get on and they're really excited and ask them one question and all the air leaves the, uh, the virtual room. I just say, what's the composition of your team? And then there's like, Oh, but I was so excited to tell you about all the amazing things that we've been discussing at the leadership. No, 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 no. I'd like to know if you've been empowered the way I know for your size organizations, you have a team. Well, let's talk about it. People process technology. What would be the composition of the team? Who would be reporting or working with the chief experience officer in your view in broad strokes? Uh, how do you see it? I think it kind of works in sections, right? There's, there's people process and, um, I'm sorry, people process Techno and technology, definitely technology, technology, right? You know, that, that it has to exist sort of across and then, you know, within the experience, uh, framework itself. Um, the first piece of work that I always did, uh, regardless of when I was coming in at setting up a new CX organization, or even, you know, setting up an EX organization was, I do listening tours, right? And I know most leaders do this, but it is critically important in an experienced role because it's not just listening and talking to um, teams, customers um, across the organization. It is getting a little deeper to really understand, you know, so whether it's, you know, signing up for the different tools, whatever, you know, the, the system is, whatever the company is selling, um, doing the ride-alongs, um, really understanding and going deep into um, the different organizations, how things work across the across the place and getting a sense of even just organizational culture. Do we have a singular culture? Is there microcultures, you know, that exist across the place? And it takes a while, but understanding kind of what are the, the big themes. And almost every time I've been able to narrow down what the main focuses are it's like two or three things, right? Because I, I think as anybody who's done any kind of, you know, basic qualitative research is, you know, the themes become pretty apparent pretty quickly. You know, you might get some of those edge cases, but for the most part, you start hearing about what's uh, the opportunity for the customer and employee. And so once those elements are set, I think that's when it starts becoming now that more broad um, approach. What is it that we want to do? Who do we need to partner with? How do we start uh, understanding how this uh, intersects with um, programs that are already in existence? I've worked in companies where um, resources have been um, very tight. Uh, I personally, I don't think I've had teams really larger than you know eight or 10. Um, there's some who have massive teams, I know, but um, for the most part, most experienced teams that I know are very small which means that need for partnership and frankly, you know, negotiation and selling skills are absolutely critical. Um, they, there is a huge uh, interdependence between customer and employee experience. Um, 
But once you've decided what those key elements are, that's when you can start breaking it down and bringing in your CX specialists to help run the uh, journey maps, let's say, on particular uh, moments that matter for the customers. But then you need the EX specialists right behind to say, okay, so if that's all front of house, let's understand now what's back of house and what's actually driving either some of these experiences or pain points so that we can, you know, maybe make some quick changes on the employee side that'll directly impact the customer or a major change on the customer side will require massive retraining and there's going to maybe be some pushback. And so let's understand how those dynamics work. It, it's not easy. I mean, just exactly what you said, you know, and I've been in the rooms where you know, if I've heard that phrase, well, let's just focus on low-hanging fruit first. You know, it that phrase makes me crazy, um, but it's a very common reaction. You know, well, let, let's just fix the small. And there's definitely good work to be done there, but you still have to keep your eye on those sort of prizes and always just have your experienced teams watching and understanding because even low-hanging fruit has impact and has change, and we need to know what that is. 100% with you. And uh you know, what I'm curious about is, is to go into the KPIs to talk just briefly about data, not, not specific data, but, but the global theme, the North Star, as you said, of the data we're after. I, I am a big fan of EOS, Entrepreneur Operating System Traction, and in it, they talk about scorecards. And I'm trying to visualize a chief experience officer looking at a scorecard that essentially brings together the employee experience and customer experience and potentially allows the ability to correlate, to say, hey, here's what we've done on one side and its impact on the other side. I think we're, we started the episode by talking about breaking boundaries. Uh, it was your, your quote from your article. That's like literally we're, we're just annihilating boundaries in that price, probably breaking some people's listening. They're like, oh, that, that hurts. What does that mean? One dashboard that's going to have both employee and customer experience in it initiatives here's what we've done with our sales teams here's what it impacted on the employee side is there even does this thing exist so l let's talk a little bit about data because if we're not looking at data we are working in abstract yeah um so while i wish i could sit here and say so i've got a three-step solution to solve all this <laughs> um, i am absolutely not there yet and i am with everyone else that is sort of scratching their head as to, you know, how do you truly do this in the best way possible? But I can just tell you um, where, where at least I am. Um, the, one of the things that we worked really hard um, to do is to, first of all, understand what are some of the key metrics and the KPIs that exist within the business right now. And so from an experience perspective, um, uh, sorry, um, NPS and something called um, ANPS, which was an agent um, NPS score uh, exists. So for us to understand and introduce um, an ENPS just made sense, right? This is now a metric, you know, I know there's a massive debate on it's, you know, how optimized it is. I'm gonna put that to the side, but to have that kind of singular number that's well understood in terms of how it's compiled it just allows us to take a good look at what's happening internally, what's happening externally, and then also with our partner bases. And that's really important because it's a number that, um, even though the numbers themselves don't necessarily correlate, it just creates consistency and just ease of, it's an easier starting point, right, for, for leaders. Um, the other thing that uh, has been starting to happen is as those moments that matter have been tracked for the customer side, and that's been in place for quite some time, 
Um, there's, you know, just some very simple, you know, like five or six key uh, moments that are um, measured on a regular basis by senior leadership. And what we're trying to do is to say, okay, so understanding what those major moments are, how does that correlate or does that correlate to anything that's happening on the employee side? So if there's something that's happening, let's say, you know, with our mobile site or our website or whatever it might be, what's actually happening in the development side? What's happening on the call center side? What's happening um, in terms of our training? And we do that by um, going back to the data side, by really looking at what's happening on the VOC, right? What are the key themes? What are the key trends? What percentage are we seeing? What is the sentiment behind what we're seeing there? Um, how does that then compare with what we're hearing in those related groups on the employee side? So if we hear, you know, uh, I, you know, this is not the case, but if somebody says, you know, I've, I've been calling and calling and nobody ever picks up the phone. If we then look at call center data and we can see, okay, you know, not only is the team fully staffed, they're almost, uh, um, there's too much work for the amount of people. And so, you know, we're hearing from employees, let's say in this particular area that um, phone calls are running longer because they're being um, incented to uh, have first call resolution, but they're not hiring people to take the overflow, right? So these are different ways that we can start to pull together. What are the moments that matter to the customer and to the business? And then what is the impact on the employee side? And so what we're trying to do is to build effectively a parallel dashboard to say this this is the data that you know and track and are familiar with now we're going to put behind it so not necessarily one page one dashboard but at least you know like a page behind it to say here are some of the determining factors that could be driving this right it's never you know the one thing and it's never the silver bullet but it is often overlooked and i think that that's a really important piece it's not always just throwing more money at updating a system it's not always about you know just getting uh, employees to be better trained Oftentimes it's just about understanding, okay, maybe there is a staffing model to consider. Uh, maybe we're incenting the wrong action, um, you know, about first call resolution. And maybe we need to think about um, allowing more flexibility in how employees kind of manage each call and not sort of worry about, um, you know, being tracked on measures that go against what it is we're trying to um, influence. Um, I think it's one of those questions that it's an infuriating answer, I know, because I hate when people say this, but it's very organization dependent, right? The things that matter most um, to the business and what those correlating factors are, are going to be highly dependent. But I think once you've started from a place of, this is what we know matters to the business. This is being tracked, this is being uh, uh, looked at, and this matters. Bringing to the table then the data behind it on the experience side to say, here are some of the other determining factors. And we know that obviously it's not, uh, you know, it's not necessarily causation. It might be, you know, just um, generally related, but they're important. And then we can start to play around. And I think the other big piece that is not talked about enough is the idea of testing and learning. Mm -hmm. And I think this is why we do go to, you know, looking at low hanging fruit because these programs sound so massive and big and we're trying to make these major changes start small, start small. If there is a particular group or area that's experiencing some kind of feedback and we can put some dots together, we've been running a number of um, just very small programs, 20, 30, 40 people, hmm. just to kind of say, all right, like, are, are we, you know, are we nuts? Are we, you know, really misreading this? Um, and 
just trying to figure out how do we kind of build those building blocks so that we can create those single view dashboards for the leaders. Yeah, and starting small and experimenting, that reminds of marketing mindset, yeah. right? Experimentation and learning from it. Um, awesome. W what I'd like to go next is, you know, we're making the case for chief experience officer. And of course, that there are budgets, that's resources. And uh, you know, not every organization will be ready. Not every C-level team will be ready. And the CEOs, of course, are, you know, going to be asking a lot of questions. But I have no doubt there was a point in time when customer experience was running into the same challenges. And the CEOs would say, well, we don't need to invest more, right? We make an offer and they buy stuff, right? And, and those innovative companies proceeded and, and they crushed it. They crushed it. They became the differentiator. Any thoughts, ideas, or, or maybe any ways for us to think about what are the right scenarios, whether it be a leadership team, or maybe there's pain, a burning platform. I find pain does a lot to create opportunities, right? Or, or, or maybe it's a new C-level that's coming in and they have a fresh mindset. What is the right environment in which we're more likely to see the emergence of a chief experience officer in your view and i know we didn't discuss this so i'm just kind of, i'm just i'm going with the flow i think that would be the question that i would be asking with with the with the if i was in the audience now yeah no fair enough um it is it does seem like a luxury role um for sure and there have been times that i've you know met with companies who've told me you know what customer experience is our luxury problem we've got you know revenue that we've got to generate we've got um you know, systems that we need to buy. This is this is not what we're ready for. I would say that the case for a chief experience officer is has to come really from the CEO or or the founders or whatever um, the organization is. Because if it doesn't start there, it's almost impossible to move the needle too far. Um, the CEO let me rephrase this actually to be personal. The CEOs that I've worked with um, that have had an experienced mindset and are driving towards understanding how experiences can be optimized outside in and inside out, um, generally allow the organization to converge around those principles and can help start to move the work forward. So, you know, we talked about, you know, the selling and negotiating that's required of any experienced leader. Um, it becomes a little bit easier. It's not always sort of met with that, you know, uh, you know, not in my shop kind of um, mm -hmm. uh, blockage. Um, so if there is no experience officer, but there is an experience mindset that is at the executive table, it becomes a little easier to bring forward those plans and to actually start to influence that change. An experienced officer at the executive table, I think, best comes when either an organization is very established, and this is really a new function, um, or if it's a legacy CEO, things have been working well, and so help me understand why I need to bring in um, sort of these new ways of thinking and make new methodologies. How will this actually optimize my work? That gets a little bit harder because they are listening to the people that are at their executive table. And that's where a chief experience officer can really understand what matters most to the CEO. What is he looking at? He, she, what are they looking at? What are they thinking about? What is uh, coming to their desk 
more often than not? And then what are they uh, reacting to? Because then the chief experience officer can then understand, all right, how do we actually take everything that matters most and apply the learnings in this way? One thing that I have seen just from personal experience that does not work is trying to sell the experience work on its own merits, right? You know, you can say, oh, you know, customers are having problems here and let's listen to the voicemails, you know, that people have left and here's why we're having uh, troubles. It does work at certain levels with certain people, but overall it doesn't last. And it gets very easy to forget. It gets very easy to kind of lose that emotional connection, um, especially when an executive is moving on to the next big uh, you know, issue that they need to manage with the organization. And so I do believe that maybe smaller companies that have more of that experience mindset may not need that senior person at the table. I do think that the larger, more established ones do need it because it's very easy to get into the echo chamber um, and uh, to dismiss, you know, well, we're working fine as it is. You know, we don't need to worry about these things. Experience mindset at the executive table. I was just pondering. You said that a few times and I was like, you know, that's interesting. And how would you distinguish between that and operational mindset? And you were just giving an example of, hey, we've got all these complaints, voice calls. It almost seems to me like that's an operational mindset. We got a problem. We need a solution. To me, correct me if I'm wrong, an experience mindset would be, well, what are the moments that matter? Let's be ahead of it, not behind it. We're not waiting for problems to occur. We're going to measure these experiences and maybe go as granular as we can go so that we can preempt things because we want to measure the experiences folks are are having. Is that is that accurate? I would say yes and, right? So I think that the way to think about this is not that um, there's an operational way of thinking and an, and an experience way of thinking. We talk a lot about moments that matter. We talk a lot about um, sort of the experience um, measures that we track. Again, just in, in the experience that I've had, it's very hard to create a whole set of experience measurements that are not intricately tied into the business. It makes it very hard to train and teach and then get that emotional connection of why this is important. So yes, it's an experience mindset, but you can still but it has to align and partner with that operational mindset to you know just keep going on this example. So, you know, I think what you brought up is is exactly what needs to be discussed, which is when I was you know so if I go back to um, when I was starting my CX function um, in my previous role, I spent quite a lot of time uh, with the call center and trying to not get to the heart of the moments that mattered for the customer, I sort of had an idea of what that was. I wanted to know what were the core metrics that that leader was looking at every month. They were looking at, you know, average handle time. They were looking at um, number of calls overall. They were looking at first call resolution. They were, you know, all of those key metrics. And over time, as you start doing the EX research, you start looking at the operational uh, work. You look at the way that they hire, train, onboard, all of these things. And you start building the story and you can start putting those pieces together, I think, just a little bit more intelligently. And when I say intelligently, I just mean from the perspective of being able to then put the story in front of that leader to say, the case for change is this, not because I, as an experienced leader, found fault in what you're doing or that you're not handling it right. Clearly, you're running a strong, well-running organization. 
But here are ways that we can actually optimize. The training is not long enough, and so employees are coming onto the phone less uh, ready to handle, which is creating, you know, employee, uh, which is causing customer churn. And by the way, that's why we're not getting a lot of first call resolution, and it's going to why customers are saying, you know, that they are not getting satisfactory results. So these moments that matter only matter because they're being influenced by other areas and to run them in isolation i think you're losing half the story right there and that's been a big source of the struggles that i've had as a leader in this space trying to get the message across that's the problem that's i think that's the big problem is the divide the great divide the the wall however we want to call it and and then we're trying to solve for the employee engagement over here solving something else over here we're talking about one brand, one organization, and we've got this, you know, I've been on the path of this problem. I was just discussing it earlier today for seems like eight or nine years. Uh, and sometimes, you know, folks tell me you, you've lost your mind. You should give up. This isn't, this isn't going away. This is, this is unsolvable. This is unsolvable thing. Right. And, and I think many of the innovators, and I'm just being raw, you know, with you, they're, 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 many of them are frustrated. In fact, um, it sucks, but a good portion have lost their jobs in this economic downturn. I've spoken to some folks who've lost their jobs. I think it's, I've been starting to track, it's 10 to 12% of the um, guests that I've had on positions have been eliminated. So as things are getting difficult, that is becoming the first instinctive reaction. We don't need more resources on the, on the people side. And, um, you know, I have, again, I have no doubt this was an issue with marketing in the beginning, customer experience in the beginning. Anytime there's change, there's going to be friction and there are going to be uh, folks looking at numbers and may not see the full picture, but um, we're not giving up. In fact, uh, this has been actually finishing on on a good note before I ask you to give some advice. To, to our audience on this journey, but it's been an interesting week. I, I've connected now with more folks that get it than I've ever had. And I've connected with some organizations that have been doing this similar to what you're describing. And I am actually more excited than I have been in a while. Um, I, I, I think it's a matter of time before this becomes a tidal wave, a, a revolution. In the words of JT, Chief People Officer, Symphony AI, she said, this is, this is the time. So, I know I went to the not such good, like people, and now I'm coming back to the positive, uh, just how I'm feeling today. I'm getting news from, from all across. For the innovators listening who are fighting the good fight, who get it, what advice would you leave them with for what's next um, on their journeys? <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. Um, it's advice I actually just got this morning. So... I would have had a different answer if we were talking uh, yesterday. Um, it's very simple, and I'll explain it. Care less. Um, and I'll, I'll give context. Um, I'm a pretty passionate person. Um, I bring a lot of energy to everything that I do. Um, and I believe in the work. You know, just to the reason why I found, you know, the work that you're doing, Adam, and, and this whole network that you're building so inspirational is because it does sometimes feel like we're, you know, just yelling in a, you know, silent room, right? When nobody's hearing and we're all alone. So it's fantastic meeting others and knowing that, you know, we're a community and a network and, you know, we're, we're 
building something. Um, but on the care less, it's interesting because you are told no so often, or we can, you know, different forms of it. Well, you know, can you go back to the drawing table and maybe rethink and, and redo, and maybe we want to do it this way, not that way. And, and it's, you know, two steps forward, one step back, sometimes two steps forward, 48 steps back, right? Um, and it's very easy to get exhausted and overwhelmed and to just want to say, all right, I'm, I'm done. I, I can't anymore. So that's what the care less is about. It goes a little bit to the principle of, you know, it's not personal, it's business. Um, you know, to, rec to, sorry, to recognize that this is purpose-based work. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're doing this, um, you know, in whatever uh, field you are, people don't get into experience management because they think it's gonna be easy or that they think that it's glamorous. It is really hard freaking work. It is project management, program management, system management, system engineering to some extent, you know, it's behavioral science. It's, it's all of these things that are really nitty gritty and to care less, just means, you know, remember why you're in it. Don't take it personally. Think of the larger framework that you're trying to work towards and remember that there's a network out there and reach out when you just need to vent and yell and scream because <laughs> we all do. Let's yell and scream together. We, we now have a community. Um, no, but care less. That's interesting. And I, I think it's very timely advice for me to receive too. Um, so you've just all heard the case for the chief experience officer. We are in a community together. You can comment below in the episode. You can ask Tamar questions. She's part of the community. She's one of us. She's an innovator. She'll jump in and answer them. And in the meantime, uh, just a huge thank you. Taking the time for sharing your brilliance. This has been a blast. Thank you. I'm, I'm so thrilled to be here. I really appreciate it. All right. Until next time, over and out.